Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash themoviewave. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Audibletrial.com slash themoviewave. This first meal center, come on in. I see the face of Jesus in that great white light. My Savior makes me whole again In his shining eyes In his shining eyes It's time to dive in the dirty waters of film criticism. Tricycle Radio presents The Movie Wave with Sergio Calvo. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Movie Wave. I am Sergio Calvo, motion arts uh, editor of Tricycle Magazine. And joining the show today, we have uh, film critic Susanna Martent. Hello there. Our regular. <laughs> and also film and television critic Mark Granger. Hello. And uh, well, thank you guys for joining the show. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Kevin Smith's latest film, not a comedy, but a horror Red State. But before we get there, what have you guys been watching lately? Um, well, I actually watched Blade Runner for the first time. For the first time? Which is quite criminal, really. Yeah, it's <laughs> criminal, really, when you think about it. Um, being such a sci-fi fan. But uh, there's so many different versions that kind of put us off seeking it out, really. But uh, Right, which, which version do you see? Uh, I actually saw the Ultimate Blu-ray version. Uh, which made it generally prettier to look at, so I went for that one. That, that's not the final cut. Yes, it is. It is the final cut. Okay. Yeah. All right. How was it? I enjoyed it. Um, I liked how uncompromising it was. I liked how it didn't hold your hand, and if anything, it actually tried to confuse you more, which is refreshing for these oh. days of cinema. Uh, and I'm trying to remember now. Does does this final cut have the voiceover? No, it doesn't. Um, it's totally without voiceover and it ends with the uncertain feature where they're heading out the door and there's the origami on the floor to symbolise the fact that you don't know what happens. You you just spoiled the film for all the listeners who haven't seen the Blade Runner. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I should have seen it already. I thought that was the last one. (laughs) Well, you you have spoiled one version of the film, not all of them. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Right. And you've probably seen a lot of television, uh, I guess. Yeah, uh, I've seen a lot, but I've also avoided quite a lot because <laughs> um, X Factor's on and Strictly Come Dancing's on. <laughs> There's only so much of that you can watch without going absolutely mental. So, is there is there any uh, TV series or TV drama in particular that you follow? Um, actually, House has just started in America, right? So I've been following that uh, with interest because one of the main actors left halfway through the series uh, halfway through the summer break sorry so it's interesting to see how they're going to alter that dynamic I, re- I really go into there's a TV I, I don't actually I, ne- I don't watch much television and I I'm not very much into TV series either uh, and I, I didn't see any show in a long time since like, maybe years ago I, I, I really like this show called Curb Your Enthusiasm and um, I know I go into a new show that's uh, maybe a bit similar in style, not too similar, but uh, it's called Louis. And it's an American show about a comedian. That, uh, oh, it's with Louis C.K. Yeah, a stand-up comedian. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
he he actually I think he had a show which was called Lucky Louie first, but it got cancelled because it was too rude. Right. <laughs> so yeah, so now he's it's like starting over. It is it is brilliant. I love it. It's fantastic. It's it's rude and it's it's I don't know. It's a, it's funny and it's actually some in some ways depressing as well because you're following this character in all his miseries in life <laughs> and uh, but it's really funny and uh, it's very strange uh, uh, but anyway we were talking about films so let's stick to films uh, I don't know if you want to um, highlight anything in particular that you like about uh, Blade Runner Mark as I said I just enjoyed how um, uncompromising it was it was, it was a very refreshing change, really, to have a film where you're not quite sure what's going on, because that's obviously done quite a lot in television to popular effect with shows like Lost, but to have a film, which uh, is such a well-respected film as well, where it tries its best to not let you understand what's happening, I thought it was great. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tenhauser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears. I don't know if you're aware that uh, Ridley Scott is going to do. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a prequel. Is it a prequel or a sequel to Blade Runner? Uh, I, I think it's neither. I think it's a film that's in the same universe, but doesn't yeah. involve, necessarily involve the same characters. It's similar to what he's doing with um, the Alien franchise. He's making a film called Prometheus, which is yeah. the same sort of lines. Yeah. So it could be interesting, but it could also be awful. So we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> Right, uh, Susanna, what, uh, have you been watching any films that were in uh, the Decalogue or Kievlowski related? <laughs> no, I've finished those already. I know you've finished um, that one. No, no, no Kievlowski related. <laughs> no Kievlowski, no, no, no. I saw Melancholia um, wow, okay. this week. Um, and I also saw Everything Must Go with Will Ferrell. Right, okay. And there was like a special screening. Um, I think the film came out a while ago, but there was like a, another screening recently. So, um, so yeah, um, everything must go. I thought it was uh, for Will Ferrell because you're used to seeing him in slapstick comedies and things like that. Um, I think it was a, it was a good step because I saw him before in um, um, Stranger Than Fiction. Yeah. And and I thought, wow, he can do other things than silly comedies. <laughs> Um, and and I mean I think he's just proven again that he, he 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 is a good actor. It's just that he used to be you know he used to do comedies on the slapstick comedies and, and and things like that. Yeah. Whereas now he's going more into into kind of dramatic roles and and I think he's doing very well. Um, Everything Must Go is um, basically it's a story about a guy who who's a recovering alcoholic and he fell off the wagon again. And because of that, he's lost his job and his wife kicked him out of the house. So he's very happy because all his possessions are uh, now on the lawn in front of the house. He's just very happy just sitting in the chair on the lawn and drinking. Hi, uh, are you in there? If you are, can this happen another day? 
getting rid of your old stuff? I got fired from my job, and my wife left me. If I'm honest, I saw this coming a mile away. Thanks for warning me. I've gotten some complaints about someone living on their lawn. This is my corner. I'm not leaving my stuff. City of Arcadia allows a property owner to hold a yard sale for no more than five consecutive days. This buys you three days. I was thinking, uh, you might want to come work for me. Stay here, maybe sell a couple things. What are you offering? I give you bathroom and cigarette breaks as required by state law. I don't smoke. Good, great. Um, and basically, it's it's about how he kind of has is given five days to remove himself from the lawn because in the state where he lives, you have five days to hold uh, five consecutive days to hold uh, like a yard sale. And after that, he'd be arrested or taken away or something. So he has five days to kind of deal with with his demons. And and I thought it was it was it was rather smart and and funny at times as well. So even you know Will Ferrell fans won't be that disappointed, I think. But um, if you just go and go see a comedy, then that's not just that. It's it's, it's a bit deeper than that. And, and I thought he did very well. I mean, you know, because with with. Well, I've seen him in. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that, that it was it was rather good. I think it was a, a first. Um, it was based on a on a story or on a book. I think I'm not sure. And it was also I think a, a, um, da, it was directed by Dan Rush, and I think it was his first film. Um, so it's kind of it, it's rather small. It doesn't have you know many actors, and um, it's kind of focused on the. In internal struggles rather than whatever ha- whatever's happening on the outside, it's, it was it was good. I think I I think most people would would enjoy it. Right. So, so yeah. Well, the, I think the first time I saw Will Ferrell in a film, it was uh, I think it's Melinda Melinda. Is this Woody mm-hmm. Allen film? I, mm-hmm. When I when I saw it, I thought, well, this this actor is amazing. This is a great comedy actor. But then I saw the yeah. other stuff, and I realized mm, maybe I would, maybe know so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I try to avoid Will Ferrell films, to be honest. <laughs> it's one of the things that turns me away from the door. <laughs> oh look, he was he was good in Anchorman. That, that was good. That was all right. He was silly, mm. silly funny. He does. He does have talent. I think. Yeah. It, unfortunately, a lot of it was wasted on on rather rubbish comedies. So. Yeah. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> and yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> what Have you seen Melancholia then? Yeah, the, tell me a little bit about Melancholia, but don't tell me too much because I think I might see it this weekend. So, uh, <laughs> but okay. uh, without spoilers. Um, I, all I can say, okay, well, I'll just say that it's visually stunning. It is right. visually really, really beautiful. It's like he took. His films usually are, you know, kind of scarring um, and visually okay, but this one was 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 more. It was as if it was like a, a painting at times, um, just put on a screen. It's visually really, really stunning, um, but it is a um, Lars von Trier film, so you know, be prepared to be scarred for life. <laughs> I, I what, do you hear the news about Lars von Trier? Uh, which which he, news? He, he has just released today a public statement where he says that uh, he's not going to make any more public appearances or public uh-huh. statements from now on. He's going to keep quiet after what happened in Cannes. And then he was interrogated by the police. Oh, for, for all the you know the Nazi comments in yeah, in, yeah. in Cannes and all that. And uh, he said that he, he's, he's going to stay quiet from now on. 
uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I like him very much. Uh, I think uh, uh, people maybe took out of context his comments. Uh, was very much referring to his, uh, you know, to, to him thinking that he was actually, uh, of most of his life, he thought, he thought he was a Jew. Uh, and then uh, because his parents were j- Jewish. And, and, and then uh, recently when his mother was dying, he found out, uh, well, he, her, uh, his mother told him that he, his father was actually a German. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think during the press conference, one of the journalists make uh, an allusion to this, so I'd like a cheeky allusion to this and he, he didn't like it so it was like a kind of a provocative reaction to what the, mm-hmm. one of the journalists said but obviously they put that out in context and it, if you play the clip on YouTube it, it does look like he's saying that he's a Nazi mm. <laughs> but it's, it's, uh, he's actually being ironic but, uh, well some people don't have much sense of humor I know pe- people are very sensitive about this I understand but uh, you know he's Danish <laughs> <laughs> Life is only on Earth, and not for long. I don't think you know that at all. Sometimes I hate you so much. I, I no, I really wanted to be a Jew, and I, and then I found out that I was really a Nazi, you know, uh, because my family was German, Hartmann. I can't see him staying quiet for too long, to be honest. I think the films he makes require such a level of explanation on his part that he can't stay quiet forever. I think you'll have to come out of the woodwork at some point whenever he releases a film. Well, I, I, to be honest, I, I like it to be quiet because I don't like... I, <laughs> I, I don't like the... It didn't bother me what he's saying, Khan, or anything else he said. Uh, but uh, I don't like directors to explain films. I think the film, ex, uh, the film explains by, him, by itself. So you don't mm-hmm. you don't need a director to explain. It's not their job, you know. Like uh, now it's become popular to have directors like uh, answering questions and Q and A. Like <laughs> Kevin Smith is the the big uh, Q and A guy. Uh, yeah, but uh, I, I don't I, I don't think that's their the, the director's job. Uh, and it, they just do it because it's a good way to promote films. Uh, so especially when you have directors that they are like you know uh, big personalities, big stars. And, like Quentin Tarantino or Kevin Smith and these people, but I, I think the the job is to make a film, and then it, it, then then it's our job to t- try to interpret the, what they actually say. No, oh, yeah, I mean that, that's fair enough, but um, it, it obviously it does work very well for publicity. But if Von Trier yeah. is going to release something like Antichrist, yeah. I think it's a film that's like that, which is Antichrist, which is such a departure from what's seen as acceptable. Susanna was saying, you know, how how beautiful melancholia is. But mm. if like, uh, I always find Antichrist very beautiful. It's probably one of the most beautiful films I ever seen. It's always it's also very disturbing, but it's beautiful at the same time. And uh, that's what Terry was saying recently in an interview. He was uh, talking to Martin Scorsese, and Martin Scorsese told him how beautiful the opening scene of uh, of uh, Antichrist is. Uh, mm. and, uh, Last von Trier re- replied, "Well, uh, you can't go wrong with the slow motion and black and white." Uh, <laughs> and ov- ov- obviously, you know, Scorsese made the racing bull, so he, he he had a laugh at the comment. Uh, he found it funny. 
Uh, I'm going to be talking about Clerks now, uh, which is the film that I've seen recently, and uh, it's some way to prepare this show. And well, well, you mean you've never seen it before? I, I had seen it before a long time ago. Uh, mm. probably 10 years ago or something and I, I was wondering if it was going to stand the the test of time and I saw mm-hmm. it recently and uh, the black and white works really well <laughs> mm. uh, it's brilliant clerks I love it brilliant. you can't go you can't go wrong with black and white uh, I wasn't I wasn't uh, I wasn't disappointed uh, I, I liked it as much as I liked it the first time uh, I did see a lot of flaws that maybe uh, I didn't see the first time or I I, I I maybe I was more forgiving the first time because it was an unknown director he wasn't that popular and then uh, it was it was it, the film was trying to do something different a different kind of movie a different kind of uh, uh, cinema and it was very low budget and uh, but it, it, this is the film that started everything, starting the, the whole Kevin Smith thing. Uh, it's, it's still today, Kevin Smith is he's regarded as the director of Clerks. They, yeah, nobody, yeah. nobody say he's the director of uh, I don't know Jersey Girl or what, what, what the, any only, any of Jay and Silent Bob uh, Strike Back or anything like that. Although he's also mm. very recognized for the character of Silent Bob. Mm. But in some way, I think Clerks. It's it was an important film when it when it came out. It opened in a new way in a modern independent American cinema, and that was in that was ninety four, and he made it in a in the convenience store where he he was working. He uh, he made it for like twenty five or twenty seven thousand dollars. Uh, he sent it to Sundance, where the film caught the attention of the the Weinstein's. Uh, these are the guys from the Miramax who bought the. They bought the film and they distributed. And uh, Kevin Smith has said several times that Rich and Link later. I don't know if you're familiar with the name. He was the inspiration. This is the guy who made Slacker, and uh, his, the, the film Slacker made him want to become a director. Uh, Slacker is a film where there's no. It's a non-narrative film, uh, so it's just a succession of conversations. And and Kevin Smith said, "Well, oh, it's." It's just people talking. Does that count as a movie? Well, I can do that. You know, I can I can write dialogues, and so he did. You know, he made Clerks, and it's brilliant, and it's a smart film. He's a smart director, and the film is is full of a lot of very dating humor, I would say, for the time. Full of sex references and very geeky conversations, including the Star Wars conversations, and the dialogues are very dirty. And it clearly shows Kevin Smith's talent as a as a writer, and and it, he has he has also a very appealing indie feel, and it felt very indie. <laughs> and watching it now, it's it's still enjoyable and fun. I think it's more fun if you understand the conditions in in which the film was made, and uh, you, you you might be more forgiving to the, the flaws of the film. Salsa shark. We're going to need a bigger boat. Throughout history, they have been a part of our American life. Men and women who have made it their mission to serve their fellow man. They've worked hard enough. Isn't it time? They had their own movie. Clerks. This job would be great if it wasn't for the customers. I, I don't bother them and they don't bother me. I could do without the people in the video store. Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? You should hear the barrage of stupid questions I get. What do you mean there's noise? You mean I gotta drink this coffee hot? You'd feel a hell of a lot better if you just rip into the occasional customer. 
You're a clerk, paid to do a job. You can't just do anything you want while you're working. Hey, you open? No! What kind of convenience store do you run here? So uh, I, I like the actors, some of the actors. Uh, some of the actors are good. Some of this, a lot of the actors are amateurs, uh, non-professional actors, and they are a bit unconvincing when they deliver the lines. And you can see how all the actors, they're all, all the time rushing a lot when they're going through the dialogues, making it at times, you know, feel a bit unnatural. But I, I like uh, the unconventional structure. It's, it goes like in set pieces, you know, and uh, uh, it, it, it was, when, when it came out, it was uh, very well received critically and uh, financially as well. I, I assume he made a lot of money out of it. And but uh, what happened after that? You know, what happened after Clerks? Did, did Kevin Smith uh, live up to the expectations? Well, it, that's another story. <laughs> that's I another think there's a lot to enjoy in his other films. Uh, yes, up to a point. I mean, Wallrat's well, excellent. Um, not quite as good as Clerks, but Chasing Amy, I think, is um, it's criminally not. It's brilliant, Chasing Amy. It's I don't know why nobody ever looks to it as much as they do Clerks. I like Chasing Amy. Thank you for reminding me. Chasing <laughs> yeah, Amy, Amy existed. Well, you have to uh, just stop your box set and uh, have a Kevin Smith day. <laughs> We're going to talk more about Kevin Smith in a minute, but now it is time to talk about Tricycle. And issue 7 is out now. It contains an interview with David Mackenzie, the director of You Instead, and the stars of the film Luke Dreadaway and Natalia Tena. And uh, this is an article by Chris Purnell. And we have reviews of The Guard, The Salt of Life, uh, In a Better World. But uh, there is a lot more. Uh, as always, Tricycle is a showcase of the most promising new talents in arts, music, theater, film. You can read it for free at tricycle.co.uk. Join Tricycle on Facebook at facebook.com slash tricycle and get daily updates. We also recommend you to visit our movie blog at themoviewave.podbean.com where you can find our episode archive and also support our nomination for the European Podcast Award 2011 by giving us a vote. You can also find The Movie Wave at facebook.com slash themoviewave. Join us and get uh, regular updates on all the movie action. There is something for everyone. Now let's have a wee break and we'll be back talking about Kevin Smith's sinful horror, Red State, starring Michael Parks, Melissa Leo and John Goodman. On a hill far away stood it a rugged crown and him Suffering in shame Oh, but I love that old cross Where the deer is and bad For a world of love Seeing all the slain So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Tell my trophy For you, the listeners of the movie Wave, 
Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. On this episode, I would like to personally recommend Michael Moore's Here Comes Trouble, Stories from My Life. Wishes for my early demise seemed to be everywhere. They were certainly on the mind of CNN's Bill Hemmer one sunny July morning in 2004. He had heard something he wanted to run by me. And so, holding a microphone in front of my face on the floor of the 2004 Democratic National Convention, live on CNN, he asked me what I thought about how the American people were feeling about Michael Moore. I've heard people say they wish Michael Moore were dead. I tried to recall if I'd ever heard a journalist ask anyone that question before on live television. Dan Rather did not ask Saddam Hussein that question. I'm pretty sure Stone Phillips didn't ask serial killer and cannibal Jeffrey Dahmer either. Perhaps maybe Larry King asked Liza once, uh, but I don't think so. This is uh, Michael Moore's most personal book to date. Director of films like Fahrenheit 9-11 and Bowling for Columbine, and author of books like Stupid White Man and Dude, Where is My Country?, He's a modern provocateur and a brilliant satirist. Uh, this book is a sort of a, an anti-memoir. Moore uh, breaks the autobiographical mode while he hilariously presents 20 irreverent uh, vignettes from his own life. Uh, Moore is his own metaphorist gamp. As one moment, he's uh, an 11-year-old boy stuck on a Senate elevator with Bobby Kennedy, and the next moment he's inside the Bitburg Cemetery with a dazed and confused Ronald Reagan. Uh, this book is a wild and revealing take-no-prisoners ride through the early life of Michael Moore. It's funny, it's eye-opening, moving. This is a book Michael Moore has been writing and living for a very long time. You can get Michael Moore's Here Comes Trouble, Stories from My Life, or any other audiobook of your choice free by trying audible.com. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash the movie wave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash the movie wave for your free audiobook. You are listening to the movie wave. We are back and it's it's time to talk about Red State. It starts uh, with uh, three teenagers that uh, uh, they want to get late and they receive uh, an online invitation for sex. But what they encounter instead is a group of uh, fundamentalists with a much more sinister agenda. What is this, man? It's like Craigslist for people who want to get fucked. I thought Craigslist was Craigslist for people who want to get fucked. Right. We're getting late, boys. She wants all three of us at the same time. It's gonna be like fucking my mom. This is what happens to parents block porn sites, man. They make socially backwards kids. Bet you boys wanna get up to the devil's business, don't you? So get drinking, cause I ain't drinking alone. And I don't let no man in me unless he's got at least two beers in. Yes, ma'am. Travis? Welcome, family. Good evening. Good evening, Grandpa. I hate the wickedness in America. Rampant fornication, adultery, abortion, 
flagrant sexuality. There were. Hey, you, you fucking bitch, let me the fuck out of here! And it's up to the righteous to curb the spread of his disease. Do you mind taking chill on that now? Get grown up in here. Santa sent straight to hell. Santa sent straight to hell. God doesn't love you. Let's fear. Well, what do you guys think of uh, Red State? If you're still there. I was just going to let Susanna go first. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> right. How very polite. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I think it's... I mean, it's obviously totally a, diff- a totally different thing to what he's he usually does. He's usually doing, you know, comedies. Whereas this is, is something totally different. Um, and I'm not sure if it, his only influence was the Phelps family in, in America... Or if he just wanted to do a, a you know a scary film for a while, um, although for me it would I wouldn't call it a horror film. I would call it more of a, a thriller, maybe, but not really a horror film. Um, some of it was really, really, really scary. I mean, some of it I totally didn't expect. You know how how you watch scary films and you and you kind of think, okay, well, this person is gonna live or this person is gonna die first. You kind of can 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 predict things sometimes, you know, and in this one you totally didn't. I don't think. Um, um, so I like the I like the I like the fact that it was surprising, and and some of it. I mean, uh, um, Ralph Garman, <laughs> he had a <laughs> he had a no, 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 he he didn't have a line even, but he was so scary. I don't know. It was amazing. It, it, I mean, he only... He, the fact yeah. that he doesn't speak, I think it works better for the character. I think it does. I mean, he only was on screen for just a few minutes, but, I mean, he totally managed to somehow convey this this psychopath, this psychopath and also, I don't know how he did it. He, it was it was some good acting. It was some good acting, some good directing in, in um, his case as well. I mean, he was really, really scary. Um, some of it I wasn't convinced by and some of it I thought the film could do without but all in all I mean I thought it was a very good Kevin Smith movie I mean it, and it wasn't even a Kevin Smith movie if you know what I mean um, so I thought I thought I, I you know I mean after watching Jane Silent Bob which I, I was very disappointed with I must say <laughs> um, this was this was really good I thought well you know it's it's fantastic that he's He's done something so good, but then at the same time, it's. I think he's only going to do one more film, and then he's retiring from from yeah. from movie making. So I thought that's disappointing. He's back on the horse, yeah, and now he's going to leave. Now that he's not, now, <laughs> now that he's getting good. <laughs> no, he's not getting good. He's just. Back. <laughs> well, at least not- he's getting better. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, what's the name of the film? The new film that's hit somebody, hit somebody, and it's about yeah. hockey or something. It's about hockey, I think he's 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 a great hockey fan. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, well, the word I'd use for Red State is uh, promising more than anything else. Um, it was enjoyable, and it certainly had its moments, but there was a couple of things it lacked. Um, I thought it lacked a bit of cohesion. I think you could clearly break it up into three sections, uh, which were quite easily defined by the unexpected character departures, as we were discussing before. 
Um, but the other thing I thought it lacked was a bit of time. I think it could have, if it had an extra half hour to it, because it's already 88 minutes long. If it had that very extra, tight, very tight. Yeah, and if it had that extra half hour, then maybe you could get a bit more um, sort of backstory on the motives, because the church is like established as being, well, it's, it's pretty much the Westboro Baptist Church, as we've said. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just kind of establishes they're there, and then it's they've got guns. Uh, it's just there's no sort of build up to it. I think if it took a bit more time to let the performances come across a bit um, stronger, like uh, Michael Parks as Cooper, the pastor, is just he's brilliant. He's scary and unhinged and creepy. He does take but, time with him, yeah, with uh, Michael Parks. Yeah, but if, I just think if they had a bit more time, yeah, to flesh it out a bit yeah. and just build up more gradually as opposed to cutting at various different points and going it's this type of film now it's that type of film yeah. it's a bit too severe yeah, yeah, yeah. there's not much natural flow I don't think but there was plenty to enjoy uh, but I don't think he's just going to make one film I think that's the type of thing Kevin Smith says to get publicity for his next film right I do, I do agree with that like the the, the cohesion if you, if you can call it uh, of, the, of the film it, it seems to be uh, it seems to have like three different films in one Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I I think I like the fact that there are three different thi- films and uh, he's trying like different different things as well. And uh, you know, it starts as a uh, teen sex comedy and then goes to a hostel like torture porn kind of horror film, and then then it becomes like a police uh, action film. But uh, you know, I think uh, he's experimenting and uh, he. He's no, he, he's he's entering a kind of a cinema that he's not very familiar with, and uh, he's he's kind of trying things. So he's just throwing things at the screen. Uh, yeah, but some, it, things, it, some things work really well, and some things don't. I just think if if you've got an hour and a half, then maybe you should limit how much you experiment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, you haven't got that much time to do it really. I think well because he's used to one type of fil- of one type of cinema that he's you know done for so many years. Um, it was you know something different that he was trying, and I think you know there's not nothing wrong with putting many different things in because sometimes it works. But um, like the, I think the the for example when you had the um, uh, the preacher uh, just talk, I don't know how long that was. Was it? Five minutes was it? Ten it was impressive. It was impressively long. For it, a was, it was very long. It was probably ten minutes or longer. Mm-hmm. It was. It, I mean, he's, uh, he did explain a little bit how the church was started, uh, but as you say, you didn't really see the background story that much. So, so uh, yeah, definitely you're right. Um, um, but I, I didn't feel that bored by the speech at all. I thought he was really good, and he was. You know, he he was doing the preacher thing. He was grabbing your attention, at least yeah, mine. It was, it was such a magnetic performance that it was, it was impossible really to be bored by it. Absolutely. Although I do have to say, I would really appreciate some subtitles. Oh, <laughs> absolutely, especially with the uh, with uh, Michael Parks. Yes, yeah, he. Uh, I really I mean, struggle understanding. Uh, although I did get kind of the idea what he was saying, but I was like. I wish I had subtitles right now because I was finding it finding it really hard, really hard. So I yeah, when it comes out on DVD, I'm probably going to buy it and watch it again with subtitles because I'm I'm sure I missed a few things. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to add is that 
you know, it was a kind of because it was a thriller, and the, the and there was the, the cops, and there was the shootout, and all that. It was a bit too much dialogue in it. Um, like, I mean, because that's what that's what Kevin Smith's famous for, basically his dialogues. But at the same time, if there is action going on and people are shooting at each other and stuff, it's kind of hard because the, you're in the scene where there is running and shooting and killing and stuff, and then you have to kind of calm yourself again and curb your emotions to listen to the dialogue and follow what they're talking about. If you see what I'm what I'm trying to get with this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, it was impressive that instead of just having the end being a shootout and a straightforward event, which it could have been, you know, it could have been, let's have the special effects and the guns take over for half an hour. Uh, I did like how he managed to put a sort of moral spin on that, or an amoral spin, if you prefer, um, for the decisions that John Goodman had to make and why they were made. Uh, so I, I enjoyed having the little breaks of dialogue, I thought, just kind of expanded on that a bit more, made it more interesting than if it just descended into a gunfight. Mm, that's an interesting point. And uh, John Goodman, he hasn't been so good since the since the Flintstones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we're looking at. <laughs> it was like a, I don't know. It was like bringing back uh, one of these uh, great uh, actors from like he, we haven't seen John Goodman in a, in, in a long time, and I, th I think like what he's doing, like bringing back John Goodman, is like what Tarantino made with uh, with uh, John Travolta. But uh, in fact, uh, Tantino is probably one of the, the biggest influences in, in, in this film. And it's, it's, it's actually what he's trying to make. He's trying to make a Quentin Tarantino film. But also, also the Coen brothers, uh, David Lynch, I think uh, they're quite uh, important influences in this film. Oh, no, I know. I really like Kevin Smith. I, I, I like him. I, I, I think he's very funny. I, I think he's a, a great entertainer. I think he's more an entertainer than anything else. He's an entertaining guy. Like he's a great mm -hmm. writer. He's a very good writer. And I, I'm also a, a very uh, a, a huge fan of his modcast. Uh, he has, mm -hmm. he has uh, given me uh, hours of uh, great entertainment and a lot of hilarious moments. But, uh, but to be honest, I think directing it might be his weakest uh, point. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think I think his films look very lazy in general, and uh, this is something that I think he he has suggested himself a, a few times. He doesn't he doesn't do many takes. He doesn't spend time thinking where the where, where to place the camera, and uh, he's no he's not precisely a perfectionist. And, uh, he, he's always been very comfortable in these kind of uh, silly comedies, and uh, Jay and Silent Bob were always. Uh, his kind of a safety net, you know, because he he's built up this strong, very strong, faithful audience, uh, mm -hmm. fan side that love the, the the universe that he has created, and that, that's why for me Red State is uh, is is impressive and sur surprising because he's out of his uh, comfort uh, zone and a lot of the things we thought that he couldn't do, he he delivers in this film, like action, for example. I, I, you, I don't know if you, Susanna mentioned the action uh, before. I, I, I really like the action in this film. The action in this film, I think, is fantastic. And there are a lot of great chase scenes and shootouts. Oh, and, yeah. And it's, Absolutely. It's very atmospheric. And I, I think it, it works really well. And the editing is very good as well. And, and in fact, I think he, he mentioned in one of his podcasts that he edited the film himself. Uh, he was editing along at the same time that he was shooting the film. 
and uh, mm. he does uh, he does a great uh, use of uh, editing to create tension and to create suspense and uh, I think I think it works uh, pretty well and there's a lot of uh, fast cutting as well some 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 of the cutting is kind of French wave style cutting that it cuts like uh, kind of uh, when when you don't expect it's not a conventional cut of the the film grammar that we used to and it, and it keeps the film short and uh, and and tight uh, uh i i actually like short films i i agree what the mark said uh, uh that he, he he lacks some of the uh background of the 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 story of the characters the, the it doesn't give too much cohesion to the to the to the to the nar- narrative and it, it it ends up being a bit all over the place but uh, I also like the, um, uh, the the scene where uh, Michael Parks is delivering this uh, sermon, and we see uh, we see one of the scared teenagers locked in a cage, and uh, it's a scary moment because of the anticipation of of death, and uh, the sermon obviously when when, you, when you're listening to it, it takes a whole new sense, and uh, there there are uh, some other problems as well. I, I have some other problems with the film. Like for example, the reactions to the sermon by by the the people who listen to the sermon, you see the reactions that they are just like intercutting Michael Parks with the reactions of the of the, of the people listening, and I find it very unconvincing. I, I don't think some of the extras were uh, too good. In fact, I think his wife was in was in it. Yeah, she was. Uh, so another thing I like, I like the use of the steadicam. Uh, you know, the steadicam when when it's attached to the actor in the chase scenes. Uh, it's a yes. technique that it's being used in some other films. Like uh, yeah, I, I was hate. gonna I was gonna say that actually that it was I don't know. Did you sorry? Did you just say you hate that? Yeah, I, I think you it's with steadicams. Yeah, with, with steadicams, um, unless they're used quite a lot in a film, I find them very very jarring uh, because mm-hmm. it's it's the whole perspective. On, and the dimensions of the actor changes with it when it goes on and it was used so little in Red State it was just that one chase scene uh, it just it kind of takes me out the film a bit to be honest unless uh, it's, it's used it's more, more regularly it's, it's for a very yeah. short time but it's, it, he does it more than once I think he does with uh, he does it with two of the, the teenagers the two, two chases when, they, when, they, when they're running a, a, a away so in, in two chasings I personally actually like it because it makes me scared more. <laughs> um, because I can see them frightened, and it's as if I'm running with them. Because rather than having the camera in one place and then just having them run by the camera, I'm actually running with them, which which scares me more. Which which kind of works better for me. But to each his own, I think. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, to me, if if I was running with them, I wouldn't be running backwards. Mm. If you know what I, I, mean. see, <laughs> I see your point. Yes. <laughs> but you did, I, um, Sergio. You did say, and I think we did. We did mention it that Kevin Smith did say once that he never really wanted to make action shorts because yeah. he likes his camera steady. And or no, because he, because he couldn't. Yeah, because if, he couldn't if, be if, bothered, probably. Yes, because it, it it involves too much work, and yeah. he likes just to put the camera there, get the two guys, and have them talk. Sit on the chair, <laughs> look at the monitor. Yes, exactly. eat the donuts. <laughs> <laughs> and he did, he, and now he did. He delivered some action shots, I think, and I'm uh, very well. Pretty good as well. I wonder why he didn't do it before. You know, he, he, if you make an effort, it's it's a challenge. You know, he 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 challenged himself and it worked. And he didn't challenge himself before. He was uh, always in his comfort zone. And I think it is something I wish he had done uh, before. And he's doing it now that he's quitting, that he's retiring. It's like it's not fair. 
<laughs> the, th- the thing is, um, he hasn't had much luck outside his own famous universe yeah. or turf films. Uh, so in that kind of, in that sense, I suppose it makes sense for him to go. I'm quitting because uh, Cop Out had such terrible, terrible reviews, and so did Jersey Girl. But I think Red State did well in coming across as a film in its own right, not so much a film where Kevin Smith's trying to make a different type of film, if you know what mm. I mean. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, it wasn't like watching the film going, well, this is all right, but I still half expect Silent Bob and Jay to roll up at any point. <laughs> it, was, it, was more like, it was more like a film in its own right. You know, Ben, ben Affleck didn't turn up in a cage somewhere. <laughs> well, you, you see Michael Parks as uh, like randomly he starts like you know singing and dancing and he's like he's kind of like a cartoonish character at times as well. Um, well, let's talk about the the more uh, satirical or, or political, if you want, uh, part of the film uh, because it's, it's maybe it's not so much about religious extremism, but I think I think it's it's more about extre- extremism in general or extremism or. Extremism of the state, extremism in religion, when there are reference to terrorism as well. So I don't know how do you guys think he addresses these issues, issues uh, if he succeeds with the satire or he should just stick to the scatological or more unpretentious uh, silly humor. <laughs> what do you guys uh, think? Well, um, it's, it's obviously a very, very important point to make that extremism doesn't automatically equate to Islam. Uh, so he did that very well, um, especially bits where they were being classed as homegrown terrorists because, you know, they've got lots of guns. So that's a fair enough assumption to make, I suppose. Um, I don't think he overplayed it. I think showing that there were... A bit unhinged kind of helped with that and again Michael Parks' performance where he was just like he went from being a caring uh, patriarch of the church to shouting and bellowing and preaching fire and brimstone did a lot way, long way to help that but I think it was a film of grey areas more than anything else um, moral ambiguity especially on the side of um, the law enforcement which again helped its message quite a lot because it wasn't, it wasn't, there wasn't a, a them and us side of it. It was all a bit mixed in and a bit murky. Yeah, I don't know what you, Susanna, think about it. Um, no, I, I agree. I think, but um, you see, you just made me think about this. Now and I, don't, <laughs> um, I think because I didn't, didn't he say that his film was kind of influenced by the Phelps family or or. Uh, it's hard to imagine that it's not. I mean, yeah, yeah, and, and it's kind of the thing is because the film is so strongly rooted in North America, um, um, in America where 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 the Phelps family are are kind of you know famous now, and they hate it all over as well. Um, I think it probably speaks more to actually to Americans because that's you know what they're faced with. Um, most, but I think there was one of the agents at the end of the film. He said something along the lines of, uh, "If you kill somebody because of your religious beliefs, then you're a terrorist, no matter what religion you are." So it kind of goes with what you just said that you know you y- can be an extremist no matter what religion you 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 are. Um, and so yeah, basically, it kind of scares you into thinking. Based, you know, whatever religion you are, you've got crazy people all over. <laughs> Doesn't really matter. 
There's plenty yeah. of crazy people in my life, and I'm not religious. So. <laughs> <laughs> if you take anything to extreme, uh, it just gets scary. Everything in moderation. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Well, you know, it teaches that you can't just focus on one group. Um, there's always elements in in every single group. You'll have people who go to the extreme of that. <laughs> Do you really need two thousand guns in your house? <laughs> not, not personally. <laughs> <laughs> you was a museum. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I have I have a, a kind of a contradictory feelings about about this thing. Uh, uh, a part of me wanted that Kevin Smith played the film more more straight as a as a, a horror film, and uh, but then then I, I kind of also appreciate when you make an genre film that there is some uh, kind of content as well or some kind of commentary, and uh, it, it, it's I kind of appreciate that, but it's just. The fact that it comes from Kevin Smith, <laughs> part of me wishes he had made the film uh, more as a straight horror. And uh, I, well, I think he did, he did address this in uh, in Dogma before. I think he. he I think it's fairly obvious. Element in Dogma. I think it's quite uh, plain as it started off as a plain horror. Uh, whether or not he abandoned that midway through, or that was always his plan, is yeah. something we we'll possibly never know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think he got his points across. And without being too heavy-handed, I mean Dogma. I do enjoy Dogma, but it, it hits you with a sledgehammer, really, doesn't it? It's not, it's not very subtle. Uh, uh, well, I, I thought I this this is a lot more. I don't think it's he's definitely more subtle than in Dogma, but I don't think uh, subtle, yeah. subtlety is his uh, his main. Uh, no, it's probably not his main concern, is it? <laughs> I'm not sure if he even wanted to be really, really deep. I think he just wanted to. You know, take an idea and just go with it, and maybe have some fun with it as well. Yeah. Surprise yeah. us in a way, yeah. rather than actually be too deep. Yeah, right. So, guys, uh, would you recommend this film? Uh, I'd probably recommend seeking it out when it comes on home release, as opposed to going to see it with subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you need them, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Susanna? Um. I think, yeah, I mean, I would definitely, I think, well, first of all, Kevin Smith, fan base, I mean, all of them are going to see it anyway, right? Um, and I think, I think it's a, it's a surprise, I would, you see, I'm lost here, because you're saying, would you recommend it? I wouldn't recommend it to everyone, definitely not. Um, but, it, I mean, if you're looking for, you know, a good night out with a little bit of a scary thrills and and something maybe to think about something something to surprise you i think that's a that's a rather good film you know for for a night out with a friend rather than a romantic night out my my eyes um but yeah i i, I would recommend it i liked it right uh i forgot to address the the whole story about the distribution of the film but the, i think we did comment on it in a different episode so uh, it's just, uh-huh. it's just, it's just gonna leave it there. But it's just the fact that he distributed it himself, like all throughout America. And now, now he, he, he kind of left it midway because uh, once he did this tour, then he, the, the, there's a major distribution uh, uh, company that uh, took over it, and is uh, that's why we have it over here and, and all that. But uh, the, I think he funded the film himself as well. So I, I think it's quite, you know, it's. 
quite a bold move from his part and uh, kind of going back to his uh, independent uh, roots and uh, I kind of appreciate that. But yes, it's definitely, uh, I would recommend it. I think it's a good, uh, it's a good genre exercise. Uh, it is very mm-hmm. visually inventive, uh, stylish and uh, it is creepy at times. And uh, as uh, Susanna said, it's, uh, it's very unpredictable. So that's that's quite quite important because uh, a lot of horror films nowadays they are very predictable Uh, probably is the best uh, movie Kevin Smith has made since uh, since Clerks I would say but that's my personal opinion and it's like nothing that the director has done before so even if you're not a fan uh, you will still enjoy this film and here is a a suggestion as well it'd be interesting to watch uh, this film in a double build uh, along um, Jesus Camp this is uh, a scary documentary from uh, from 2006 about a Christian summer camp where children do some evangelical learnings. Uh, so that w- that would make an interesting double bill. Uh, so I think we can wrap it up. Uh, this is it for uh, episode 12 of the Movie Wave. Uh, thank you, Susanna and Mark, for joining the show. Thank you. Thank you. And for more film reviews, uh, you can go to tricycle.co.uk where you can read the whole latest issue of uh, Tricycle magazine for free on your PC, your laptop, your iPhone, your iPad. Uh, Tricycle magazine is now responsible for the content of this program and all opinions and views expressed on the show are solely of the individuals. Thanks very much for listening. We'll be surfing the wave soon. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. This podcast is a production of Calvinet Entertainment for Tricycle Magazine. Find out more at tricycle.co.uk. That's T R I S I C K L E.co.uk. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, brothers, let's go down, let's go down, come on down, come on, brothers, let's go down, down in the river to pray. I fear God. You better believe I fear God.